sequel song you've proposed, Bare Naked Ladies Two Weeks, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they talk about how it's been two weeks since they recorded their podcast. Honestly, I would listen to it. I bet it would be good. Yeah. Here's the thing. They do the theme song to the worst TV show of all time, and it's a pretty (laughs) good theme song. Yeah, they're pretty good at writing songs, guys. It's true. We all know. They're going to have a resurgence, probably. It's really a shame that their follow-up to the smash hit one week was, what was it, Pinch Me? Like, Yeah, I don't remember which one came next. That might be right. They tried to sell us on another... Uh, extremely white rapping song, and that's really not their forte. One week was like fine, but they're they're better at writing sort of pastiches, I think, than just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, they're kind of a jack of all trades band. Yeah, um, there's been a somewhat critical reappraisal of their contemporaries in the late '90s alternative, well, the turn of the century, I would say, alternative rock scene. Uh, with the passing of Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth. Mm. And I yeah. think uh, people are finally coming around to the idea that actually Smash Mouth was kind of good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Smash Mouth was actually very good. Yeah, I, I think I, so, someone recently said the only thing wrong with the song All Star is it got overplayed. Yep. If you If you were able to look at it fresh, you would love it. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I will go one further and say, even when it was being overplayed, I didn't mind it. Genuinely, and this is going to infuriate exactly one of our listeners, <laughs> genuinely the worst part about it is when it got associated with the movie Shrek. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, That's like, true. it was in Even when it was part of um, that are Mystery Men, yes. I still liked it. <laughs> What's funny uh, is, with the passing of, of uh, Steve Harwell, people have been uh, putting uh, up their favorite, uh, like, re-edits and stuff of the song, Man, which are all great. Because those are on YouTube, themed. people want a visual and element. So a lot of them the use end of the, the original movie, music video. Ends is Mystery Men themed, and I forgot about that, and it's so funny. It's funny, the Mystery Men is a funny, if somewhat problematic movie, mm-hmm. uh, and the song was good when it was played all the time on the radio and Mystery Men themed, and then as soon as everyone started being like, oh, the song from Shrek, I hated it. <laughs> yeah. But they had a lot of hits, honestly. Yeah. Like, we forget yeah, them do. now, because All Star is above all of them. I guess Walking yeah. on the Sun is up there, too. But they had a lot of other Can't hits. Can't get enough songs. of you, baby? Yes. Banger. Yes. Even their cover uh, no. of, uh, which I know is from Shrek, but even their cover of The Monkees, I'm a believer. Pretty yeah, good. that's true. It's pretty good. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Walking on the Sun sounds like If the Doors was good. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Are you like, just saying that because they have an electric organ in there? That's part mm-hmm. of it, but also like the vocal <laughs> delivery is very kind of talk singy and low-voiced, but in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't sound corny. That's true. I think that I think some Doors music is okay, and I think that when Doors is at its most okay, it's very similar to uh, early Smash Mouth. I think you're right, Jeff. Thank you. All right, I'll take it. Uh, I cut out during the time when I was explaining why All Star was <laughs> overplayed because it was in three movies. Did you guys get any of that? No. What was the third movie we talked about? Um, uh, mystery Men and Mystery Men. Oh, it, it, they the movie Rat Race uh, ends at a Smash Mouth concert where they're playing All Star. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> See again, I feel like those two movies, it still would have been good. It's the fact that it got absorbed into the Shrekiverse in the same way. Let's get into it. You know what? I'm going to say it, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. it. 
Counting Crows, also a good band. Oh, that no. one song. Yep, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> Counting Crows is good. That one song about um, uh, accidentally in love is a good song, but because it was in Shrek, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, man, uh, you you really lost me on this one. I'm thinking about, like, Long December and Mr. Jones. That's a pretty good song! Oh, I can't. <laughs> you're, you're insane. There's so many good Counting Crows songs. I think you're just... Because you grew up in a time when it was everywhere, you're jaded against it. But if you, like, mm. just like with Smash Mouth, if you evaluate it on its face, it's pretty good music. I, I think uh, there was such a trend in the late 90s for music about a girl who was fucked up. And mm-hmm. Ken and Chris definitely had a bunch of those, and those songs pissed me off. I think there was only one song that they had that was like that. A lot of them were about being sad and drinking. <laughs> Well, both Mr. Jones and Long December are about a girl who's fucked up. What? Mr. Jones is about a guy who's fucked up. It's the title of the song. Right, but he's interested in one woman, maybe. Mr. Jones, we know, is supposed to be his Tyler Durden. We've had, uh, what's his face, say that. He's not interested in one woman, though. It's about how he is, like, constantly falling in love with different musicians playing at the bar, and he realizes that it's not because of them, it's because of their music. I would have to pour over the lyrics to be able to do this, but I'm pretty sure each one of them are interested in a different girl, and the one who's going to ruin your life that Mr. Jones wants is the one he wants to go for. Back when um, Punch Up the Jam was a going concern, uh, Mm -hmm. after Demi left, there was a guest who created a punch-up of Mr. Jones in the style of Tom Waits, and it is still Mm. something I like to go back and listen to because it was really good. (laughs) That's pretty good. One of the main reasons I had to stop listening to that show is because of how much Miel likes Tom Waits, whom I cannot stand. Oh, you're incorrect. I'm sorry, Matt. Listen, I get it. I understand that people like it, and more power to him, I literally can't stand listening to even one second of Tom Waits. I'm, my condolences. <laughs> anyway, Louisa, what have you been, uh, what's been getting you through this week so far? Yeah, what are you up to? Uh, it's been really hot, but here's the thing. Hot damn! Yeah, uh, make a dragon want to retire. Oh, that line's so bad, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> uh, anyway. <clears throat> Every summer I'm telling myself I should be baking bread because bread wants a really warm room temperature to do its magic. And I should not be making pastry because you want the room to be very cold for that. So I should be baking pastry in the winter, making bread in the summer, and I never want to do it. I want delicious warm bread in the winter. I want like a nice uh, piece of pie with uh, ice cream in the summer. And I'm always fucking up these recipes and making myself miserable. I also want a nice pizza pie in the summer. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I made pita bread this week, and it okay. worked out pretty good. I had trouble getting nice. it to puff up, which apparently is extremely difficult to like make sure you get right every time. But I did get like yeah. half of them puffed up, so that's pretty good. Yeah. And my bread dough actually rose correctly because it's very warm right now. So this is all very good stuff, and I ate some of the pita bread. <laughs> it came out great. Ah. Uh. Uh-huh. So, I feel like, uh, I feel like I don't know if I can make myself do this continuously, but it was good for once. <laughs> I can't tell Louisa, we joked before the show started about filibustering our weekly topics, and I can't mm-hmm. tell if that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> it kind of is, because yeah, I want to say out. all the things I want to say about it without yeah, taking I wanna, too much time. I want to comment on your okay. thing, but you keep on just going. <laughs> okay, questions for the audience? Yes. 
do you feel like there are some things that it's not worth making at home? Like, yes. I buy pita pockets at the store and it's fine and I've never considered making my own. Why did you decide to make your own? Because I find with soft bread products like pitas, they have so much um, preservative uh, uh, softener uh, chemical, whatever that might be, that mm. you can kind of taste it. Like homemade tortillas are just in a completely different league from store-bought sure. tortillas. Yeah, yeah. And I want to know about pitas, and they are very good. But you're right, the difficulty of the process might mean I don't make them that often, but I do want to try making them again. Yeah, I, I so. like a, I think I like a, a flatbread a little better than a, like a loaf, like as far as yeah. making one. They are definitely easier, like, because when you screw up a loaf, you've screwed up everything you've been working on. But when one pita doesn't puff, you're like, okay, well, that one's going to be a pizza then. <laughs> It's also, I always, there's shortcuts, which is nice. I tried a recipe once that was just like uh, bread flour and yogurt to make naan. Uh-huh. And it turned out okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was like, huh, I guess, yeah, there's bacterias in there to do the leavening. Sure. Huh. Did you have to let it prove for a million years, though? Um, not, <clears throat> no, not that long. Hmm. Mix them together, let it sit out like overnight or something, and it turned into bread. Yeah, this one had me prove it overnight in the fridge, and I was afraid it wouldn't rise enough, but it certainly did, so that was very lucky. The problem with stuff like pita is, I know that I'm going to need to have something to serve in it, right? Mm -hmm. And I always feel like the... My time is best spent making whatever I'm going to put in the pita bread be good instead of trying to make the bread itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I do want to do that, but I think you and I have that experimental nature which curses us where I'm like, I need to know at least once how good homemade pita could be, just to know. Yeah, that's true. I am a little curious about it, but I... I would. I feel like I need to figure out making a homemade gyro before I figure out making a homemade pita. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> I'm actually going to make falafel later today, so I'm going to have the whole experience. Nice. I do make falafel at home all the time, and damn, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Never been able to do it from scratch, but the falafel place nearby that I like started selling the dry mix in a bag, and I made that, mm. and it turned out pretty good. Oh, that's good. Mine turns out pretty good, except I never can get the the chickpeas all the way texturally right. Like they always end up a little bit crunchier than I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently it's hard to get them really finely ground, and I have a a good food processor, so I'm hoping I can do it. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before about stuff buying stuff that's not worth making yourself, and I think a lot of fried things fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Like fried yeah. chicken is so much Ooh, better. Actually, I uh, don't know. I, I I agree that it's way easier to just get fried chicken, which is what I usually do. But when I get the when I get it together to make homemade fried chicken, mm, I, <laughs> it, it can be real good. It can be way better. Oh, well, that's good. I guess I, I'm still looking for a good recipe. I'm quite good at like a, a boneless, like a, a chicken cutlet fried, but mm. uh, fried like chicken on the bone is not uh, as as successful for me. <laughs> Uh, Ooh, can we talk? Can we talk about a subject that is related to this real quick? Yes, please. Okay. Why is it that 
I remember that they had this when I was a kid, but it doesn't exist anymore. No one just sells frozen beer batter chicken. Yeah. Like Arthur Treacher's You only get that weird crunchy breading, which is fine for sometimes, but I fucking love a beer batter. Beer batter onion rings, beer batter chicken, beer batter whatever, and you just can't buy it. Like, the closest you can get to getting to buying it is fucking Chicken McNuggets, and that's insane to me. (laughs) I think the difference might be that when we were kids, there was a lot more likelihood that people would buy a frozen thing and deep fry it themselves, and now Mm -hmm. people are all afraid to do that. They just want to bake it, and beer batter comes out terrible when you bake it. Even that? I don't know. The beer batter chicken tenders that we used to get when I was younger... We would make them in the oven. They still kicked ass. They were so fucking good. Mm, I, I can't explain it then. I guess this concept of beer battered chicken doesn't feel familiar to me. Really? It doesn't feel scandalously wrong, but you, you say it, <laughs> and I'm like, I have to imagine a new thing rather than it calling to mind something I already know about. Hmm. Well, if you think about chicken McNuggets, they're battered rather yeah, than Yeah, they like, kind of have that style. Right. It's the texture of the outside of the chicken McNugget. Or like, you know, fish and chips, but instead of the fish, it's chicken. Which, like I said, is why Arthur Treacher's has some of the best beer battered chicken fingers. Yeah. I just don't understand why it's not available anymore. So now I have to, like, once every, you know, eight months or whatever, make my own beer batter just to scratch that itch. And it's it's fine, but it takes for fucking ever. It's really annoying. Yeah. I support your beer batter habit. You just have to <laughs> you. you have to do it every day for like two weeks until it becomes not a pain in the ass anymore. Mm, yeah, that's it. And then I'll just <laughs> die of <laughs> vats of beer batter floating around my house. That's the real problem for baking bread or making fried chicken, any of these things. The secret is you do them over and over and over until you get good at it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But, I want to make something different. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you yes. want to be good right away. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same problem I have with leftovers. Like, I am I make enough food that I could eat it every day for, you know, three days in a row for dinner, but I don't want to eat this thing I ate yesterday. I want to eat something new. Yeah. I do have luck uh, making components. Like, I'll grill a bunch of uh, chicken uh, strips, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, so I can have it with rice. I can have it on a salad. That works pretty good. Yeah, maybe I should do that. I do like the I, I I do like you know boiling up a bunch of eggs at the beginning of the week and then just having hard boiled eggs that I can put into whatever salad or eat it for breakfast or whatever. That's that's helpful. Yeah, lazy uh, uh, deviled eggs where you just put some mayo and hot sauce on top of a hard boiled egg, mm. <laughs> or you just put an egg in your mouth and then squirt mayo and hot sauce <laughs> into your mouth. I mean, you could. You definitely could. Um, yeah. But anyway, bread, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Matt, what have you been doing this week? So I'm going to talk about the uh, new Magic card set that released. I I mentioned it briefly before that it is um, uh, fairy tale themed, and it's really great. I'm having a lot of fun, but more so than ever, I've been infuriated by the fact that the new set released this past Tuesday morning and I've been playing every day, like I always do, you know, a couple matches a day. No one is playing the new cards. Everyone <laughs> is still playing the decks that were winning for them before, and no one is trying new stuff. And that's the whole fun of this game. 
Yeah. It makes me absolutely furious. Every time that I play a, a game and it's like, oh, you're going to do the same thing that we've been doing for the last eight months in this game. Cool. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like it must be very frustrating to play card games when everyone's only interested in the best set to have and make. and Like, nobody mm. cares about playing the game in any way. They just want to know what the best one is and get that. Winning, yeah. winning is how you play the game fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it, it's odd how much the, um, the online magic client that everyone uses, Arena, uh, incentivizes people to play, like, everyone plays Red Goblin decks these days, or Red Burn decks these days, because they either win or lose very quickly, so anytime you play, you know, 80%, even though it's not a very good deck, if you aren't going to win, you know after turn two, and then you just quit. And so people want to get the most wins possible in a day, they just play a thousand matches with this red deck. But mm. it sucks. It's a shitty deck, and it's annoying to play against. Yeah. <clears throat> it sounds like a bummer. I feel, I feel like, you know, half of the people on it, on there are either playing the strategy of winning or losing quickly, or... Being so annoying to play against that your opponent quits, even though they could beat you eventually. That is how you win. <laughs> but you shouldn't. <laughs> like, remember that this is a game you're playing to have fun? So do something fun for you. Like, if you just want to win without having fun playing the game, why? Win <laughs> What's the point? Winning is yeah. fun. So you can get more cards to continue to just be annoying to yourself and everyone around you? Yeah, people like that, don't I think. Understand it. Yeah. I mean, that's the internet writ large, is just making yourself miserable to make other people miserable because, haha, got you. Yep. Yeah. This is why I said last week, or last time we recorded, and I still say, all trolling is bad. Mm. And now yeah. that Jeff's audio yeah. isn't working, he <laughs> cannot argue against it this time. No, I do still disagree with that. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I think you're right. Yep. Mm. Yep. What to do, what to do. No. But anyway. Trolling oh! is good sometimes. Why? <laughs> Why is it good sometimes? Uh, because you can troll people who are bad and make them angry. But you could, instead of trolling them, honestly say to them that they're bad. I will disagree with Jeff for the reason of trolling, but I do think it can be good. And here it is. If it's trolling a friend and you both can enjoy this on the same level... If you are, for instance, playing a card game and you have, like, I think you mentioned once there's a squirrel card where you can, like, have infinite squirrels. And if yes. you have set yourself up so you can then suddenly cover the entire table with squirrel cards, I think you and your friend who enjoys this game could both have a bit of a laugh at that. I think that's, yes, I think that's true, but I don't think that's trolling. Oh, no? I was going to say it is, but it's like, it's uh, communal trolling where you're both going to enjoy it. I feel like trolling needs to be something where the other person doesn't know if you're joking or not, mm. and it may, it just makes them, like, annoyed to interact with you. Interesting. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> I guess we have slightly different... I think that it can be trolling if the other person knows you're joking, but you don't uh, break character. Hmm. I, yes, that but that's count? also bad. That sucks, actually. Like, I if you do a joke on me and I'm like, haha, I get what you're doing there, and then you double down on it and you don't be like, yeah, good, 
we did it. We're friends. Good joke. Like, if you keep on committing to the bit, fuck you, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, yes, reasonable. If your reaction to a joke is, haha, good joke. But if your reaction mm-hmm. to a joke is to become mad online, like so many <laughs> uh, tantalizingly trollable people's reaction is, it's I much like- funnier. Here's the problem, though. <sighs> the, the people who get trolled the most aren't the people who are like, gonna rage quit twitter because of it the people who get trolled the most are people who are like i'm in on it too guys i'm elon musk or like people who are not who think that you're supporting them and then do the worst things because of it i like when people troll someone who voluntarily joins the conversation to be wrong I enjoy that very much. For instance, if someone's like, I'm going to eat an entire car, and they say that online, and someone's like, no, no, you can't eat an entire car. And they're like, yeah, I can. I have a really good blender. Don't even worry about it. Like, I like that. (laughs) That's funny to me. No, here's the thing. I like that too and think it's funny, but I also know that it's bad for (laughs) humanity. (laughs) I don't know. We... you brought up Elon Musk. We did trick him into spending $44 billion on a website no one likes. Ugh, we didn't. No. We didn't. He tricked us, you see, because even though he did ruin his life and his fortune, he also destroyed the massive public good of a communication network that we could all use. They don't. It doesn't even have a million daily users. It's not a big. It's not as big of a social network as it seems it is. However, it was key to a lot of very important, like, people organizing protests and things that is now gone. So, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Elon Musk trolled all of us by destroying something that we as humanity needed to use more, and instead made it so that it's unusable by anyone, and in doing so, also destroyed himself. So everyone mm. loses because of trolling. Yeah, I think when you're defining trolling as something that's bad, then then circularly is it is bad. So I guess we're not agreeing on what the I just is. I've yeah, never seen I've never seen an example of trolling that even if it was like trolling can often be funny, but if you think about it for one more minute, it's only wasting your time and everyone else's time yes. in a way that is actually bad. All I'm time fine is with inherently that. wasted. The people who think saying something like oh, "orange Cheeto" to Trump every day, they think that's some kind of activi- activism. Those are idiots. But yes. trolling can be funny and waste people's time. I agree with that. <laughs> yes, it's just it. It ends up being uh, a. It ends up like making you feel like participating in anything isn't worth it anymore. <laughs> Okay. If you get trolled, you, you're just like, you know what, I just don't want to talk to anyone ever again. And if you're doing the trolling, like, there's gotta be a better way for you to spend your time. Mm, there's there's gotta, gotta be a better way! You're right. Yeah. We are living in the black and white fuck-up part of the infomercial right now. Yes, absolutely we are. The internet is the black and white fuck-up part. Oh, Jeff's dead. No, I, <laughs> I was know! Just, oh. I was trying to drop and reconnect to see if it would solve my <laughs> issues. I thought they got you, Jeff. Yeah, they did get me. Uh, anyway, the new Magic Card set is real fun, and also I've been playing Dragon Quest V on my phone, and Ooh. it kicks ass, you guys. Nice. nice. I forgot how you could just play Super Nintendo games on your phone and 
Square Enix has even released official versions of their Super Nintendo games on phones, so nice. it kicks ass. Everyone should do it. Is there uh, anyway? Is there a new Dragon but, Quest even on the horizon? I mean, yes, because yes. it's a huge franchise, but have they announced any stuff yeah, about 12, one yet? Yeah, 12 yes. was announced. Ah, yeah, the, nice. he- the something flame, eternal flame. No, an, that's a bangle song. Is it an MMO? No, it's not. They've said it's not an MMO, but it is going to be somehow more action-y than previous hmm. Dragon Quest games, but still have turn-based combat. I don't understand it, but I've read everything that has come out about it. <laughs> All right, well, I look forward to enjoying or not enjoying that. Yes. <laughs> um, What is it called again? Oh, DQ12. Uh, this is going to give me Dairy Queen tips. <laughs> uh, Flames of Fate, that's what it's called. That could also be the name of a Dairy Queen uh, brazier restaurant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, are you ready to get your ice cream qu- cake from the Flames of Fate? Yay! You know. Anyway, we should Anyways, get to Jeff probably before come his out internet next year. fails. So, oh. yeah, Jeff, what'd you, what'd you do this week? Damn it. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Dead. Damn it! Oh, I'm Jeff. I um, ate a big, ate a big hamburger. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I read a comic book in the park, and oh shit, that sounds awesome. Actually, <laughs> I was trying to make fun of Jeff, and instead, I'm making his life sound great. Does Jeff have the perfect life? Oh no! <laughs> oh wait, is that, that Jeff? Right? <laughs> no, it's still me. Oh. <laughs> I just heard a groan from the background. Yeah, that was me thinking that you might be right, that Jeff has got it all figured out. That that really undoes a lot of things. Uh, it might be true. Jeff's always having a good time in the park. I'm never having yep. a good time in the park. Yeah, that's true. Have you ever played Dragon Quest V, Louisa? I don't think so. I think I've only played through like three and then c- come back way later, like ten or something. So everyone says that the best in the series is either five or eight. Okay. Um, but 8 was one of those early PlayStation ones, and the 3D world, like, camera controls and stuff are really clunky. Mm, okay. Uh, and so even though it is a good game, and I remember playing it when it first came out and really enjoying it, I tried to go back and I was like, these graphics are terrible, and these controls are bad. So I decided to go to 5 instead, and what's great about old SNES 2D graphics, they still look really good. That's pretty good. That's always yeah, a bonus. Like, I, like obviously, there it's a style, mm-hmm. but they had it kind of figured out. Yeah, things that are pixel graphics in a genuine sense are still very mm-hmm. good, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the graphics in this are as good as, like, you know, Final Fantasy Four or whatever. Other, other SNES uh, games. Maybe not, like, Earthbound, but that had its own visual style mm, true. Yeah, that anyway, makes sense. i think it's like six bucks or something to get it on your phone the official version and it's great hmm, i might have to consider that i don't really have any phone games at the moment i end up like playing the new york times crossword puzzle and i need a little game but you only get one <laughs> yeah of i feel like i feel like there's two qua- two tiers of phone game there's the one that you need to be able to play in less than a minute mm-hmm. Because you're just, you know, you want a game hit real quick. And then there's ones where you're like, well, I'm going to be sitting here for a while while I'm waiting for my pizza or whatever. So I need something to waste, uh, you know, half an hour. Yeah. And old timey RPGs are great for that because it's mostly just wandering around killing 
random uh, monster encounters. Mm, that's true. And the monster encounters in Dragon Quest games are some of the best. Those great monster mm-hmm. designs that we all love. Yep. Although, I can't believe how many, in Dragon Quest V, I can't believe how many of the monsters are ferrets that are that smell bad. Oh no! Interesting. Like, flans? That's like a running gag. The first ones you meet are called funky ferrets, and then there's flatulent ferrets. <laughs> Great, love that. I think there's farting ferrets is another one. <laughs> anyway, they've always kind of had that sense of humor a little bit. That's true. All right, Jeff, you're back from the dead. Yeah, I think I am. Um, so what did you do this week? Uh, I just got in the mail my play date, which is the little oh. yellow Game Boy type of thing with a crank on the That's side. With a fishing fishing reel? Yeah. yeah. Mm, pretty uh, good. It's got an A button, a B button, and a crank, as well as a menu key and a lock button. Uh, mm. And audio jack, USB-C, that's it. It's very simple. It's very light. I got a little flip case for it. Doesn't even have a backlight, which is interesting. Um, The screen is it good? Yeah, the screen is high contrast enough. I do kind of wish it had a light, but the screen is high contrast enough that it's easily visible uh, Mm -hmm. in like normal lighting conditions. Um, And the little games for it are pretty fun. Um, I'm keeping with the release schedule that it comes with, which is you get two little games a week for the first season, which is, I think, 12 games or 24 games or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you get to keep the old games? Yeah, or yeah. Okay. Uh, I could also go online and like unlock them all right away, but I kind of like the drip feed of like getting one at a time. Um, nice. Yeah. I just, I, the first two games, one was a surfing game that I it was too hard to figure out and I kind of didn't like. And I scored 100 points and then uh, looked at the global leaderboard and the top score was like 28 million points. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, never mind. Uh, so instead I played Casual Birder, uh, which is a game where you go around a like top-down Zelda or Pokemon-style world uh, mm-hmm. and when you push A, you open up your camera and can move a little viewfinder around the screen, uh, and adjust the focus with the crank, uh, and you have mm. to take pictures of birds, and there's 27 birds to take pictures of, and I took pictures of all of them, and it's a nice little, like, hour or two long game. Nice! Like Pokemon on... Is the name a pun on something? Casual murder? Is that a phrase? <laughs> I don't know, but the kind of world of the game, the conceit is wow. that everyone's really into birding, and they're all much more mm-hmm. hardcore birders than you. What Sounds if... like the real word, world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why so many people are into looking at birds. Go on, yeah, Lisa. I don't really either, honestly. Uh, but ooh, what if eventually when you're looking for birds, you do see a murder and it becomes a rear window ooh, style game that's totally that would different? that a good game. <laughs> if somebody could somehow keep it under wraps that that's what happens in the game, that would be incredible. First degree I guess murder. That's kind of, I guess that's kind of what happened with... Um, doki doki literature club i mean eventually it got out but for a while i think people were like this looks like a like a weeby uh visual novel right is it not that you don't know about this louisa i don't know maybe <laughs> oh i don't know if i should tell you i don't want to ruin it and i think jeff is in uh, the phantom zone okay. again so hold on well here's my question then and you don't have okay. to answer any further 
Is this a change in tone of the story that you're talking about, or a total change in game style? The game mechanics remain the same, okay. but the tone of the game drastically changes. See, that's what I was thinking about for this murder, murder game, that you'd be mm. looking for birds, but then it would completely change what type of game you're playing when you're trying to solve a murder. Right. So, in Doki Doki Literature Club, it starts out with, like, oh, you're a kid in high school, and you have this group of... Uh, you, you join the, the school literature club, and it's all these different girls, and it's, like, hinting that it might become a dating sim. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually one of the characters reveals to you that they are aware that they are a character in a video game, mm -hmm. and that they are trapped in a time loop being forced to relive this over and over again because of you playing the game. Aha, uh -huh, pretty good. Um, and then they all eventually start trying to kill themselves to get out of the time loop, and it's very upsetting, and then they try to kill you. It it gets really dark, and, like, there's some game elements that you can only, or clues to what's going on in the game that you can only access by, like, opening the folder on your computer that contains the assets for the game. That's pretty good. It gets weird. Like it's that. a good game. It's It's a good game, and it... It has a very good horror element to it without being, like, jump scary. Okay. I did play Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. Mm. It's very similar to... The, the second half of the game is very similar tonally to uh, that game, I think. Or, like, hmm. um, Rampa. Did you ever play that one? No, I have heard of it, though. That's kind of a Battle Royale type of game. Is that right? But also I mean, a it's, novel? It's, visual novel? It's a visual novel that's set in a battle, like, you are in a sort of a Saw murder trap mm. style thing. Okay. Where you're um, it's supposed to be battle royaling against all of the people that you're with, but you can choose to al ally yourself with some of them. And then people start murdering other people and you're trying to figure out who did it. So it's it's more mystery than battle royale, even though the backdrop is battle royale. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, nine 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 has a little bit of that too, right? Yeah, that's where we started. Yeah, that's talking about it. That's why yeah. I was tying back to it. Um, yep. It's uh oh, we were talking about keeping things under wraps, like surprises, twists, and games. Game. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember what game we said before Doki Doki Literature Club, though. Mm, it started with us talking about casual murder. Right. If you if there was a murder, murder in it, <laughs> that would yes. I. I like, I've been watching some, like, YouTube videos about what makes a mystery-solving game good, and uh, mm -hmm. how hard it is to nail that. Yeah. Yes. And I have played a couple that are pretty good, but they're not, yeah. like, detective games. Yeah. Yeah, I keep on wanting to try that inc that terrible Poirot game that came out, like, a year or two ago <laughs> that everyone says was really bad. <laughs> I just want to know, you know? People... I think the... Uh, I once read a thing about how difficult it is to write, like, a mystery D&D &D campaign. And mm. the problem is, the satisfying thing about a mystery novel is how many near misses there are where someone does actually find the clue. And the only reason that's possible is because the story is all laid out exactly by the author. So when you yeah, give people secret... choices, it's all fucked up. The secret to writing a good mystery D&D &D campaign in my experience is if somebody guesses the answer too early change what the answer is <laughs> and 
if somebody says, oh my god, it would be so cool if whatever, make that thing be what happened, <laughs> even if it's not what you originally wrote. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the opposite of the advice if you're for if you're doing a mystery TV show. <laughs> mm, yes, that's true. <laughs> if you, like, all of the worst mystery TV shows are the ones where they changed course because people figured it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you're playing with just a small group of your friends, like, you can... You can even write a mystery campaign where you don't know what the answer is, and then you just watch them, and then once you feel like they've worked long enough and they would be satisfying, then be like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, there is a, uh, a subgenre of mystery novel that is um, that originated in Japan called um, Orthodox Detective Fiction, uh, mm. where you you can solve it as the reader with the clues available to you. Mm. Um, and I think that that is fun. I like the idea of like an author making a, uh, a detective novel like that you can be the detective for without it being like a cheesy choose your own adventure thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that is... I think that's why I never really got into a lot of mystery novels because I thought that's what they needed to be was like, uh. If the detective is going to use a clue, you, the audience, need to have already been exposed to that clue. And then when they don't, when they know things that they haven't revealed to me yet, I feel like they're cheating. <laughs> uh, isn't this how uh, Encyclopedia Brown books worked? You were supposed to be able yes. to figure them out, even though a lot of times it was total nonsense and you were never going to be able to. Mm. <laughs> but you should have been able to. It was their premise. Yeah. A lot of it was stuff that you could figure out, but you would need to do a lot of independent research. <laughs> you had to know <laughs> to a lot about out. the Boy Scouts flag code <laughs> to do it. Mm -hmm. You needed to know all about the different ways in which mules and donkeys can interbreed. Mm -hmm. I really, um, I, I like when there's, I don't know, it's a, it feels adjacent to the mystery genre, but like when you know who the killer is, but the thrill is in seeing how the detective will figure it out. Mm -hmm. A real Columbo situation. Yeah, yeah, Poker Face, uh, similarly. I That's exactly it. Um, mm -hmm. I was, the reference point I had in my head was Death Note, because, like, you know from the beginning who the killer is and how he's doing it, but he's doing it via a supernatural means that other people are not aware of, nor aware the nature of. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's interesting about going through the series is seeing how, because of the way this guy uses this magic book to kill people, uh, the, a like world's greatest detective, like quirky detective type, is able to figure out that he has a magic book and how it works. Mm, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's a shame. I really like Death Note, and I think that that part of it is very cool, and it's really a shame how much Death Note otherwise feeds into, like, the worst aspects of anime fandom. I feel like a lot of people who are very into anime already are, like, <laughs> more dramatic than they need to be, and more obsessed with the idea that everything has to be, like, quantifiable rules to be quote-unquote logical, and so you, you get a lot of anime fan people who will be like, yeah, well, my punch rating is 10,000. And it's like, what is that? 10,000 watts? What are you talking about? Like, Death Note is that so much where it's just, 
this guy like trying to make writing someone's name in a book look dramatic and like whole episodes of internal monologue of the main guy being like well if i kill this person before they get home then the detectives will know that they like last interacted with me and they'll be able to trace it back to me so i need to wait until they've talked to someone else before i do it but on and on and on and on and on for episode after episode and it just never like yeah man i love that I'm no, that's the it. problem with that's the problem with all anime is that people like that, but it makes again just like trolling. It makes you a worse person. <laughs> I think that you're conflating two similar problems. One mm. is the power creep issue in like uh, like a shonen anime or manga where like mm. there's no defined rules about how the powers work, so it just has to keep escalating. And now there's yeah. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Goku. Uh, yeah. Who, for simplicity's sake, just we just call him Super Saiyan Blue because his mm. hair is blue. Uh, yeah, and that's like ten levels above this other thing. And then there's one where his hair doesn't change, and he, that's the most powerful one. Like that, mm. that type of stuff drives me nuts. But I, I yeah. like it better in something where there's like a defined, uh, well, like a more defined set of parameters. And then, like, when you introduce a new element, you have to make uh, you have to like teach us the how the existing rules interact with the new element. Yes, but it it posits a world in which everything can be accounted for and understood, and I think that that is an unfortunately toxic worldview. It, it's the same sort of thing as when people get very into superhero stuff, and then they'll be like, "Well, yes, but even though you know the Hulk versus Wolverine." you know the hulk as long as the hulk keeps getting madder he can never lose because we all know all of the rules about whatever it's like you're so obsessed with understanding every possible aspect of this one fantasy element in this story but there still is unpredictable factors in the world and you're never going to be able to understand all of them and the more that you think you know everything the more unpleasant you are to be around yeah I see I see your point. Um I think it also might be um I became uh extremely unfortunately knowledgeable about specific types of uh spooky stories and mm-hmm. Japanese ghost stories pretty much always there's like there's a trick to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost will be like I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to double kill you. And you have to be like, actually, could you triple kill me? And then the ghost poofs away because it doesn't know what to do. Uh, Uh It's a real Br'er Rabbit situation for you there. (laughs) It's a very, like, uh, uh, unstoppable, the unstoppable force and immovable object. They simply uh, agree to peace. That's Mm -hmm. the answer to your riddle, the Sphinx. But like that, yeah. that type of logic puzzle applied to a uh, very goth anime uh, is is definitely part of what I enjoy about it. But yeah, but it it, it posits itself as a logic puzzle, but then uh, so often it introduces a new element to explain away why the logic doesn't work anymore. Yeah, fair. I also haven't so. revisited it in a while. Uh, I watched the live action one, and I thought it was not as terrible as I expected it to be. The one with the Naked Brothers band kid in it, Nate Wolf. I have no idea. 
How would I possibly know that, Jeff? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I just know that that's the name <laughs> of the thing that Alex Wolf and Nate Wolf were in. Okay, well, and I, I don't, don't watch know. anime, you fucking weebs. Ah, got yeah, us. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this isn't this. This might be one where you'd uh, you'd have to wade through a lot of things you don't like to enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. don't lo- watch this, Louisa. I, will- I like anime, and I liked this anime, and I don't like this anime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, New what do we do on this show, I hear you saying? Uh, Jeff's audio keeps cutting out, but I'm pretty sure yeah. he said, what do we do on this show? And what we do is we go to the news sites that let, that algorithmically decide the stories that we are interested in, and then we talk about those stories a little bit before we stop doing the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today, Google News has served oh, up to me a little story until after uh, called the "Bethesda Explains Starfield's Complete Lack of Ground Vehicles." <laughs> so I was originally going to talk about Starfield at the beginning of this show, but because I've also been playing Starfield, but uh, when this article came up, I decided to save it. I know Jeff, you've dipped into it a, a little bit, and Louisa, you will never play this game. Nah, Is that accurate? yes. Uh, which one did I dip into? Starfield? Uh, oh, yeah. Space Rim. Yes. I was playing a little bit this morning before the podcast. Yeah, it's a good game. Um, I do love seeing Louis- people's cargo holds filled with trash, which I've seen <laughs> many times on social media now. It's very frustrating that, <laughs> like, the limit of the size of stuff you could keep in your cargo hold... I've gotten to the point where I'm just dropping, you know, lumps of gold on the floor in my ship because I can't fit it in the cargo hold, and that's infuriating. Yeah, I was walking around with a dislocated limb from jumping from too high a place, which reduced my carrying capacity, so I wasn't really walking much slower, but walking used up my oxygen, which could (laughs) run out even though I was on a planet with breathable air? No! Oh, that's weird. The worst. Yeah. You just have to take your helmet off. I didn't... I'm sure you'd be fine. I unequipped the helmet, and it put, like, a placeholder helmet on me. Oh, man. (laughs) You're gonna have to use one of the store helmets. Yeah. uh, We could let you borrow this one. It smells a little like puke, but we bleached it. (laughs) Our planet has a helmet-required policy, so Mm -hmm. we will provide you with a restaurant helmet if you do not have your own. (laughs) People keep bumping their heads because the sky is so low, so... (laughs) Um, I am enjoying how this game... I'm having to, like, remind myself of the lessons I learned when I played Skyrim of, like, don't try to work through any particular quest line too much and let the the whims of fate kind of pull you in whatever direction you want. Because I I was trying to play the main storyline for a bit, because oftentimes you should do that until you get to a certain point where, you know, you've unlocked everything. Um, But... I got to the point where, like, I was just getting absolutely murdered constantly. And I was like, you know what? I should be doing some side quests, I think. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, is there a storyline to this game? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, the people at Bethesda are very smart about how they make story hooks for this kind of open world game. Because if you have a storyline that's just like... That guy killed your parents. Go get him. Or like, you know, 
uh, Hyrule Castle is under this big cloud of a, a demon boar. You should probably save everyone. Mm-hmm. Then you have this vibe all the time of like, I should be doing that. Yeah. But in Bethesda games, they often just provide you with a hook, like in Skyrim, where they were like, you are the dragonborn reincarnated. You are a person who has the abilities of a dragon. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with that? I don't know. Figure it out. But like, you do have this universally acknowledged, incredibly powerful magical gift. So there you go. Yeah, that was a game where there are two main stories. There's a Mm -hmm. civil war happening in Skyrim that you can uh, be involved in and settle. And there's uh, an evil dragon flying around burning towns down that you can become powerful enough to kill. And I didn't finish either of them. And I played that (laughs) game for like 120 hours. Yes, same here. And in this game, something similar happens where you start out as like people call you a, a dusty because you are a like a low level miner working on some asteroid in the middle of nowhere, just like bl- laser blasting rocks out of the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you uncover an item called the artifact, which is just a strip of metal. But when you touch it, it like blasts your brain full of something. Oh no. <laughs> um, and you don't really know what it is. You just like black out. And then when you come to everyone else is like, hey, we found you next to this th- this metal thing. But whenever we touch it, nothing happens. So you're like linked to this artifact in some way. And then some guy comes out of outer space and he's like, oh, shit, you found another one of these. And you're like, wait, what? I want to know your story, bud. And then he's like, I can't tell you my story because people are coming to murder me. Here, take my spaceship and my sassy robot and go figure it out for yourself. Bye. Yeah. And your boss is just cool with it. You're like, I'm going to go join the space adventure club. And your boss is just like, well, good luck. (laughs) If you come back later after you've joined the space adventure club, she is much less cool with it. Like, I thought you were pretending. I thought you'd be back here tomorrow for your shift. She she kind of is like, hey, I know that I said you could go. But after you left, those people that were coming to kill that guy came and killed everyone. So I'm really annoyed at you now. We're really shorthanded. I can't believe you'd do this to us. How could you find out you're the star child on the busiest day of the year? (laughs) Yep. Um, so, so so yeah, there's this group of people called Constellation who are, like, unaffiliated with any of the political groups in the game, uh, and they are exploring what, what these artifacts mean, and so the fact that you have bonded with one means you're an automatic member, and they, then that's where all of the different stuff branches off from. So, there is a core story, but it is built to be a story where it's, like, the the only way you can progress is to explore the universe and find out what's going on. Mm, Alright, well, stop dodging the question and tell me mm-hmm. why there aren't any ground vehicles in Starfield or whatever that headline was. Yeah, so the idea is, apparently they were considering putting ground vehicles in it, but uh, they were just like, we want you to fast travel instead because walking around on a planet surface is boring. Oh man, oh, man. I don't like that. I don't like that attitude about it. One of my favorite things in Skyrim was just, like, going around. That's true, but I do think that they've done- they've struck a pretty good balance in this game, because in order to- you get money and experience for 
completing the scan of a planet. So that means finding all of the minerals that you can get and all of the plants and animals that live on that planet and scanning them. Mm-hmm. Once you get to 100%, they give you some money and more importantly, a lot of experience. Um, so there is a value to just wandering around to find all of that stuff. But once you've found it all, like if I go back to Earth for a quest... I don't want to have to fucking walk from literally Europe to, like, Russia. <laughs> yeah. Which is literally how big this game is. So I get it why they'd be like, we didn't put any hover bikes in it because just fucking fast travel. Just We've we've highlighted the four places on this planet that are actually interesting. Just jump to those four places, please. You can do that. Well, I guess. It's go. hard when you bring up Earth when there's interesting places everywhere. Not in this game. <laughs> yeah. Earth has been scoured clean of all life because of how terrible humans yeah. are in this game. One of the earliest dialogue options yeah. that I so, had. Extremely boring to walk around. And <laughs> okay. I think that even though I agree with you guys that there is something to wandering around in an open world game, I think it's actually really smart how they let you, the player, edit out the parts that you know are going to be boring. Like, you can still walk to places yeah. if you want. And you can discover new places while you're walking around that aren't on your highlight map. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing something and I don't want to wander around, I don't have to. And I love that. That's pretty good. uh, I've been noticing playing Baldur's Gate 3, there are not enough waypoints. Sometimes where you want to go is so far from any waypoints, you have to walk a lot over ground you've already covered. And I don't like it. And you're just clicking the edge of the screen a hundred times. Like, that is exactly the kind of stuff that they're trying to avoid here, and I applaud them for doing it. Alright, fair enough. Even even though this game is not the greatest game I've ever played, and doesn't feel as, as revolutionary as, like, Tears of the Kingdom or whatever, um, I really think they put a lot of thought into making the game feel effortless to play, and that should be applauded i think yeah Hmm. so far for me uh at least i'm not very far in but so far i'm finding it astounding how much it feels like just space skyrim uh which i Mm -hmm. i wasn't anticipating i i thought because skyrim came out in 2011 that they'd have maybe abandoned some of the stylistic elements it even seems like it's running in a similar engine like, when you die, the camera immediately cuts to third person and your body ragdolls, just like Skyrim and Fallout. <laughs> oh, I haven't died uh, as a person yet. I've My ship has been blown up a million times by pirates, but I haven't done that part yet. Yeah, the ship combat feels neat. It feels like it is hard to do, but should be harder than, uh, it, like, it's easier than it would be if I, if it was fully one-to-one what a real ship is, which is nice. It's That's probably true, but it also feels like it's way harder for me than it is for the people I'm fighting against. Yeah, right? Ugh. Yeah, I feel like they have, like, one person flying the ship while another person is shooting the guns, and that would be a great, that would be really nice, actually. Gotta get a guy for that. You can't. Like, even if you have a full crew, you are still in charge of both flying the ship and shooting the guns. Boo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did learn, though, that the the thing that you need to know in order to win space fights is if you want to turn your ship around, 
you have to come to a complete stop first, and then you have really good turning. But if you try to do it at full speed, you're just chasing the person that's chasing you in a circle forever until they blow you up. Huh. Fascinating. Yep. So... Anyway, um, I actually think Starfield is pretty good. I know a lot of people have been very down on it. I think a lot of that is because people had higher expectations than maybe they should have. Um, Because it is, like Jeff said, it's just Skyrim in space. And if that's not what you want, then they never said it was anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess. I feel kind of bad that a lot of the people who say they don't enjoy the game have this detailed list of reasons, which makes sense to me, for why it's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And everyone who says they like the game has basically said, yeah, it's supposed to be shitty. That's what Bethesda does. So get over it. I'm like, is that your reasoning for why it's good? I I don't even think it's supposed to be shitty, but like the, the challenges in a Bethesda game are are what they are, you know, having inventory management stuff, having the um, interactive persuasion mechanics, stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. those are in there as challenges, and they can be annoying. And if you don't like it, then fine. But, like, it's like complaining about playing a Dark Souls game and getting killed by the same boss a bunch of times. Like, yeah, that's annoying. And if you don't like it, then don't play these games. But that's what they are. That's... All they are, and all they've ever been. Uh, I don't know. It's, but it's fine. I don't... It doesn't have to be for me. There's there's an yeah. element of, of gamer okay. complaining that's weird to me. Ah. Oh. Um. <laughs> I mean, I... Oh, no, I, think I I've cut out again. Have I, I cut wouldn't out again? recommend this game to everyone, mm-hmm. but I do think that if you have had any enjoyment with Fallout or... Um, uh, any of the Elder Scrolls games, it, this is just more of that. Okay. So. There's a weird genre of gamer complaining that uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk about briefly. Louisa, I think you'd probably have encountered this, where people playing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet complain that it has glitches and bugs. Uh-huh. Like, guys, did you play any of the Pokemon games on the Game Boy systems? <laughs> the Pokemon Red yeah. and Blue are like some of the most shoddy, broken, scotch taped together games, and they're still really fun. <laughs> like I, I don't, yeah. ex- I don't know though. I think that it's reasonable to expect a company as they get bigger to be better about not having like literal bugs, unintended things in the game. I yeah. guess it's just like I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily require that for me to like a Pokemon game because I'm yeah. expecting that they're going to be a little janky. Yeah, I guess. I think, it, I, I think it's the difference between Starfield and Cyberpunk 2077, right? <laughs> Where, like, Cyberpunk 2077 came out and it was very ambitious and cool, but, like, literally... It would teleport people around and crash all the time and just be, it was just a fucked up, bad, like, not well-made game at the at launch. This game, it, it does crash sometimes, I'll give it that. But for the most part, the thing that people complain about are intentional design elements. And yeah. if you don't like it, I get it. I, I don't like some of them too. You don't but- like it, get out. <laughs> but like they did make the game the way that they wanted to make it and yeah. if you don't like it then it's just you don't like this game and that's fine 
Yeah, I always it's, feel it's weird. It's not a mistake. Sorry, go on. Well, speaking of mistakes like Jeff was, I always feel weird when people are like, well, the frame rate's really bad. Or like when I look at the horizon, not all the stuff loads in right away. I cannot imagine ever caring about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I notice do- it, but I'm not like, yeah. oh, this is garbage because the Pokemon yeah. are, yeah. they have a lower poly <laughs> model and you're far away. Ah. <laughs> It's weird to me when people complain about that on, like, a PC game, because the problem is you, not the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you are you need a better computer then. <laughs> I, I, I do get it a little bit when you play something like Tears of the Kingdom running on the same hardware as Pokemon Scarlet, and making yes. Pokemon Scarlet look like a mobile game from ten years ago <laughs> by comparison, but yes. also... Yeah. It's, you know, you get that little pig who's crying his little crusty tears or a little alligator that shoots fire out of his mouth. And that's just great. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more akin to if you complained about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet because you were like, I don't know. I just feel like the monsters are too cutesy in this game. And it's like, that's that's the game. That's Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Don't play it then. Oh, my God. I saw someone commenting on an Instagram post about the writer's strike and their sassy mm-hmm. anti-union post was like, well, if you don't like what someone's paying for you, just stop working for them. And I replied <laughs> to it with, that's what a strike is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. People are very dumb. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, anyway. What news story do you have, Jeff? I was looking in the food and drink section to try and find something Ooh. undepressing. And the most interesting, <laughs> the most interesting one was like, uh, Daily Mail, strangest death row meals revealed. Oh no, that sounds oh, very depressing. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's very depressing. Uh, I also found fun facts about White Castle. That would kill Jeff. Oh no, oh, no. no, I'm still here. You got so depressed. Uh, nope. I'm, I'm here, I promise. Okay. Uh, I, I found out, I clicked on fun facts about White Castle also, and I found out that mm. they were the backup location for Harold and Kumar that wanted to oh. have Harold and Kumar go to Krispy Kreme, but Krispy Kreme <gasps> said, you can't be in this weed movie. Oh man, Krispy Kreme is so good though. That does make I, sense. I make one pilgrimage to the Krispy Kreme that's 30 minutes away from me once a year to get one of their Halloween donut boxes and it's the best. Mm, it's coming right up. I don't like yep. what I don't like about Krispy Kreme the thing that sticks in my mind is around the holidays they have a, a filled donut that looks like Santa's belly um, yes. yep. and one end of it is just like a hole with brown goo coming out and I don't <laughs> like that on the bottom end of Santa's belly <laughs> Well you gotta deal with it. He is yeah. he does excrete. You can't deny I it. Just, he excretes pure vanilla custard. <laughs> I, I just I don't like that I'm eating Santa's belly full of digested food. Well And I but I then, I'm not allowed to order a different donut. They told me no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a Krispy Kreme bullying you where you're like, I think I want a regular No, no, no you don't. Eat the turd donut, prick. <laughs> we hate you. Oh, but that's why you go there. You like it. Yeah. You order a regular glazed donut and they just bring you a Santa donut anyway, and (laughs) they're like, eat it while we watch. Welcome to Crappy Cream. You want a bad donut? Mm -hmm. Jake's last donut or whatever. (laughs) No, I went to I went to the evil Krispy Kreme by accident. (laughs) Oh, they're all the evil Krispy Kreme. Ooh, capitalism. 
No, Krispy Kreme is great. Krispy <laughs> Kreme is like the scrappy rebels against the Dunkin' Donut Empire. No, they flew too close to the sun. They opened Krispy Kremes everywhere. Every one of those is closed now. Foolish. Mm-hmm. So foolish. Um, yeah, but Dunkin' Donuts also did that. Then someone needs to take them down a peg. No, They're Dunkin' Donuts open. is all still open. They're so popular. Yeah. I know, that's what I'm saying. Dunkin' Donuts did the same thing Krispy Kreme did, but they succeeded by squashing Krispy Kreme. Now we gotta root for Krispy Kreme, the underdog. Krispy Kreme needs to start having breakfast sandwiches where they put uh, tiny little sausages on an English muffin, because that's what I like at Dunkin' Donuts. That's a good point. Tiny little sausages in a donut? Yes, I yes, would eat it. absolutely. Sausage, yes. egg, and cheese on the donut. But, mm. But they do have good donuts, which is something that Dunkin' Donuts doesn't have, is the thing. I like a cake donut. Don't know what to tell you. <sighs> they have cake donuts donut. also, Louisa. Yeah, but they're not <laughs> the as thing good. About, the thing about Krispy Kreme <laughs> is that they have all the things that Dunkin' Donuts has as good as Dunkin' mm. Donuts. And also they have real fried donuts that are really good and made fresh. I do not agree also. that they have everything just as good as Dunkin' Donuts. Their cake donuts are not as good. That's insane. What you're saying doesn't make sense. I want chocolate, I want pumpkin spice, I want blueberry. When was the last time Dunkin' Donuts offered a donut that had Frankenstein iced on it, Louisa? I cannot answer that question, but I'm gonna say every October. I'm probably, that's probably true. No, this is the Uh, problem with Dunkin' Donuts, is that they're like, oh, it's Halloween, okay, the strawberry... Donuts now, they have bat-shaped sprinkles on them. That's, like, the maximum they will do. Mm, fair enough. I do go to Duck Donuts sometimes, and they do that shit, because they're crazy. But look at the- I'm putting in our chat right now, look at this picture of this Halloween box that oh they did God. at Krispy Kreme last year. Yeah, I didn't need to. This wolf- this Wolfman Donut kicks ass. That wolf, is pretty good. All Wolfman right. Donut would be a great name for, like, a radio host. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are pretty good donuts but how likely yeah. are the ones at your local Krispy Kreme to look this good I got this box and it was exactly like this yeah. it was so good they Fine. standardized it this is all produced in a Dracula factory <laughs> Dra- Draculactory? no that's a Dracula I do like how that sounds like <laughs> Dracula Philactory where he keeps all his Dracula yes. potions <laughs> Yes, I do like the Draculactory sounds like a Dracula phylactery. <laughs> That's what I want out of my Dracula. You don't oh, want any of that sweet milk? Okay. <laughs> Why did we start talking about Krispy Kreme? <laughs> it was, uh, it was gonna be the place Harold and oh, Kumar right. went when they got home. Oh, right! Yeah. yeah. Um, was that yeah. your thing? Jeff? Um, yeah, that was my thing. Yeah, you realize that the death row thing was actually too depressing <laughs> to talk about. It was just like, that was the first, I was sure food and drink would be safe, but the mm-hmm. first interesting thing was that, the first mm-hmm. thing that wasn't obviously an advertisement, and I'm like, ugh, mm. I'm gonna keep scrolling. <laughs> I clicked on one that yeah. was like, these second tier, like, obscure fast food places are pretty good, and it was all places I've never heard of in countries I don't live in. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not. I feel like with death row meal stuff, you always think, oh, it's so depressing that everyone just gets, like, garbage fast food or whatever for their last meal. But then I'm like, maybe once you've truly accepted your own death is imminent, like, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. It's sad no matter what, really. Uh, Yeah. a A pack of cigarettes and three pounds of baked beans. 
That's my last meal. I want it to it's be a lot time of to clean up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I can't fault you there. <laughs> Why the pack of cigarettes? <laughs> uh, I can eat those too. It'll make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will. Cigars would make it worse because those would stink. Oh god! What about cigarillos? Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, did Louisa do a news? No. No. Do a news. <laughs> All right. Here is the headline. This is new information to me. This is news, as they say. But also, mm, I... Hot off the presses. I already knew all this information in my heart, and I think you will as well when you hear it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Quote, Beauty cannot exist without horror. End quote. Guillermo del Toro heaps praise on Hayao Miyazaki in his own unique style after hardly containing his excitement in public. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Exactly. So this is about Guillermo del Toro being very excited for the upcoming Miyazaki movie, The Boy and the Heron, saying he is so sure it's going to be amazing, and that Miyazaki fully understands what he himself believes, that you have to uh, confront horror and beauty with the same eye, essentially. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. I agree. I agree with both of them. Yeah. I think that- I guess so. I want to know Miyazaki's opinion on del Toro. Yeah, I would love to know that. Mm -hmm. He would probably. I bet he would burn him to the fucking ground. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine he does, he'd, isn't it? <laughs> he'd give the highest praise possible, which is he'd take a long draw from his cigarette and say, "I found Pinocchio adequate." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I what I really that. want is both of these fucks to be like <laughs> meeting for the first time and shaking hands, and then, um, oh fuck, what is that guy's name who did uh, Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> Deo Kojima. Yes, I want Kojima to rush in fully nude and hit them both in the face with a pie. He comes in dressed as Solid Snake and looks at the camera that isn't there and says, Kept you waiting, huh? Uh-huh, exactly. That That is the... If You know how people are always asking, like, if you could have a dinner party with anyone on Earth, who would it be? Uh-huh. This might be the right answer. I think the youths now call it Dream Blunt Rotation. Okay, alright, uh-huh. I get it. Oh my god, can you imagine being around Guillermo del Toro while he's high on marijuana, though? Oh no. I bet he's an energetic, like, a giddy high. Yeah, I or bet he... that too, and it would make me feel crazy. He wants to chat I about Beyblades he... and stuff. <laughs> I bet he would get super hyper, but then he would also be, like, constantly telling you how he thinks it would sound if your intestines fell out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like. Man. You were like, oh man, I was watching this cartoon the other day and it was so good, but like, it did also make me think about that I'll die someday. Do you guys ever think mm-hmm. about that? <laughs> Dying? I filled this pinata with raw meat. Do you want to hit it for a while? Uh, uh, you guys ever think about how cool bugs are and how we should look at bugs more and bugs all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that is what he'd be like. <laughs> and then Miyazaki like puts out a cigarette in his own hand and just stands up and walks out of the room and you're like did he is he even high? <laughs> See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Miyazaki could completely psychologically destroy Del Toro because I feel like Del Toro would come at it like I also like practical effects and all this stuff like you do Miyazaki putting in the work Getting the visuals right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of approve of I thought for me, a second don't... you were saying there were practical effects in Miyazaki movies. No. And I was like, no, Louisa, those are cartoons. <laughs> they are all practical effect if you think about it. Every frame <laughs> yeah. is drawn by human hands. Yeah. 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 But he would say that. And in his mind, in Del Toro's mind would be, so we're kind of, we agree about filmmaking, don't we? not so different, you and I. Yeah. 
And then Miyazaki would be like, so you made Pacific Rim with a whole bunch of CGI monsters, huh? And just destroy him! Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, man. I Now I am obsessed with the idea of somebody existing who doesn't know that Miyazaki movies are cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Have man. there been live versions of any of them ever made? I wonder. I don't think so. Okay. Nausicaa feels I mean, that's gonna happen. The, possible. The the nanosecond that Miyazaki dies, yeah. there's gonna be a thousand projects launched that are that. Oh, I guess so. there's been live action Lupin, but he didn't create that. He just worked on a TV series and did the uh, the movie Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah, I don't okay. acknowledge that. Okay, that's not, not in the canon for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They make video game adaptations like uh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Got them. Take that, Nintendo. Yep. Drag their asses over the coals. <laughs> I feel like that's another situation where they are like, look, we learned great stuff from Miyazaki and we intended this to be an homage and Miyazaki would be like, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if anyone's tried to show it to him to be like, what do you think of this? Oh, oh no. We'll oh, that was so dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good place to cut out, too. What's weird is that probably the audience, when they listen to this, it won't cut out yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, we're stuck in the phantom zone. Yep. Uh, so what do we think about this movie? I think it'll be good, but I also think it will be the same as all his other movies, and I don't expect to get any new, like, emotional revelations out of it. Yeah, I, I've i always liked the movies of his that have very fantastic premises the most. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I mean, I guess they all have fantastic premises, but a lot of them, like um, Ponyo or uh, Secret World of Arietti, are, like, even though they do have a backdrop of fantasy, they're mostly just about how sad it is to be a child. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's all... (laughs) I can't... I don't know that I can watch a whole movie about how, how much childhood is depressing anymore. Yeah. And this latest one, haven't looked into it, I've only seen the trailer, but is it set during or after World War II? I was wondering about some of the clothes. You see Uh, the boy in like a military uniform, kind of? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know at all, but it it made me wonder. Can I, for this Halloween, given that uh, we need to come up with Halloween screen names for everything, as is the internet tradition... Mm -hmm. Could I use the boy and the heron as my Halloween name online? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, this movie takes place in 1943. And by I unfortunately, I mean it's going okay. to be a sad movie, but... Yeah, for oh, sure. Yes. Uh, Is the heron an atomic bomb in some way? God, probably. How yeah. old I mean, is Miyazaki? No. Was he alive yeah. for the bomb? <laughs> We know how Miyazaki movies work. There will be a bomb, and then the heron is part of the folklore that helps a child process the traumas and challenges of real life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he was born in 1941, so mm. that that uh, cultural trauma is uh, something that's like been around his entire life. So I can't imagine that at 82 he'd be making a movie set during World War II that doesn't get into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're making a movie set in Japan in that time period, you have to address it, right? Yeah. It'd be wild if you didn't. Yeah. Hmm. Remember that weird moment in Eternals where they had to explain what the Eternals were up to during World War II? Oh, no! Yeah. And they were like, one of them made the atomic bomb. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. That whole movie 
was wrong-headed from the beginning, unfortunately. I liked that movie, but it had to do too much studio normal movie stuff and ended up, um, like, sacrificing the weirdness that it was clear the team wanted to really, really dig into. If it was, yeah. if it was weirder and... Honestly, I'll say it, more boring, it would have been a better movie. <laughs> mm. Fair enough. Alright, well, thanks everyone for listening to our show. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and please tell a friend about the show so we can continue to grow. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on X, at HackTheNetPod. Uh, yeah, we all hate X. Uh, or you can uh, join our Discord to talk to us, which is honestly the best way to chat with us because uh, we we chat with back and forth with people all the time on there. Uh, you just need to message us on a on any social media to get an invite. Uh, I'm on Blue Sky at Matt Heron. I'm Jeff JK on Discord and Instagram, uh, and I think also Steam. You can add me any of those places, and I will gladly accept uh, your. Uh, acquaintanceship. <laughs> Very nice. You can talk to me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Please come back next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your pockets on track. <laughs> don't read the comments. <laughs> I'm the best around. At Matt Heron. I'm Jeff JK on Discord and Instagram. Uh, and I think also Steam. You can add me any of those places, and I will gladly accept. Uh, your uh, acquaintanceship. <laughs> Very nice. You can talk to me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Please come back next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your pockets on track. <laughs> don't read the comments. I'm the best around. <laughs>